0: And it's good to have each and every one of you here. You probably remember we started a study in the book of Galatians. And we went through the introduction, first few verses. Then we gave a message about the gospel itself. And how there's strong warnings against anybody who would change it, who would alter it, who would take us away from the gospel of the grace of God as it's expressed in Acts 20:24, 20, to a gospel of works. No, the gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose triumphantly. And everybody who repents and puts his faith in Jesus, who really trusts him, like we sang, that person will be saved. We'll have a new life. We'll have God helping him in this life. We have a granddaughter that she's been asking us questions. I think she's going to do a little pamphlet or something about our lives, June and myself. And one of the recent questions was something to this effect. What is it that helps our faith? And I was thinking one of the things that helps my faith is some amazing answers to prayer. Amazing answers. God's been so good to us. And that's one of the things that encourages my faith. We might add another thing or two, God's word itself. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And of course, hearing good messages from God's word and fellowshipping with God's people and a daily quiet time with God, all these things are helpful. And we thank God for the faith that he gives us in his son, the Lord Jesus Now we've come in the book of our Galatians that we're studying, chapter 1, beginning with verse 11. I'd like to read it. We may be rereading some of this as we go along, but by reading the whole thing to begin with, we get more of an idea of the total flow and the interconnectedness of what's being said. So beginning then with Galatians 1 with verse 11. But I certify you, brothers, that the gospel, which means good news, which was preached by me, is not after man. It's it's not man's thing. He didn't develop it. For I neither received it from man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because you have heard of my behavior in time past, in the Jews religion how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it. If you know the background of that, Paul was an arch persecutor and killer of Christian people. He thought he was doing God a favor. And I profited in the Jews religion more than many equals of my own nation being more very zealous of the traditions of my fathers he was really into it he really believed it he really lived it but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that's what he wants to do with us too that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I did not confer with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them who were apostles ahead of me, but I went to Arabia, and I returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and stayed with him fifteen days." But other apostles I didn't see any except James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write to you, look, before God, I am not lying. Afterwards I came to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but they had only heard this, that he who who had persecuted us in time past, now is preaching the faith which he destroyed at one time. And they glorified God in me. Then, fourteen years later, after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me also. Titus was a Gentile convert. And I went up by revelation and I communicated, I fellowship with them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them who were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, so that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seemed to be somewhat, whatever they were, it makes no matter to me, God does not accept any man's person, for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference, they added nothing to me. But contrariwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me, as the gospel of the circumcision was to Peter, for he who wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles." And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go to the heathen and they to the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was also eager to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. Because before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew himself and separated, fearing them who were of the circumcision party. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they did not walk uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in front of all of them, If you, being a Jew, live after the fashion of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why do you make the Gentiles live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. That's quite a long passage, but there are a lot of wonderful truths in this passage which we'd like to look at some of them today. First of all, Paul establishes his credentials. We find this in chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He claims what he was taught in verse 12 was by the revelation of Jesus. He claims rightfully that God himself gave him the good news. This is his credentials It's not something he made up, not something he decided to be. God instructed him what the good news was. And especially it's good news that he needs to know for the Gentiles. Good news of the grace of God, as we said from Acts chapter 20. So his credentials came from God himself. He's an apostle sent from God to preach the good news. And then the background of his calling. We see this beginning in chapter 1, verse 13. We see how that he persecuted God's church. We see how that he exceeded many contemporary equals in his zeal to do what God wanted done in their zeal for circumcision and the Old Testament. He was really into it, but he was wrong. And so he gives God the credit for his change, beginning in verse 15. God changed him. It was a miracle to change a man so intent and so sincere in his misguided beliefs. He says in verse 15, It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Thanks God for what had happened. It's interesting. A similar kind of thing happened concerning Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah... Right at the beginning in chapter 1, here's what Jeremiah says in verse 5. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. God says he knew Jeremiah before he ever made him in his mother's womb. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So even before the birth of Jeremiah, even before his conception, God knew him. And God had him conceived and God had him a plan for him to be a prophet not only to the Jews but to the nations. This helps us realize God's all-encompassing knowledge and power Even before conception, he knew all about Jeremiah and what was going to happen and how he was going to use him. One of the things I think in this day and age people need to realize also is that once conception occurs, a new individual has been made. Sometimes people say, well... It's a part of a lady's body. Actually, it's an individual. It has its own DNA. It's nourished by the lady's body, but it is not really the lady. The DNA is separate. An individual has been formed. And God knows all about it. And it's very important that the mother nourished this entrusted child to be born. And God knew Jeremiah even before birth and conception. God had a plan for his life. God knows us. God has a plan for our lives. Some of us anticipate hopefully many more years in this world. Some of us have been here quite a long time, and we realize we might not be here that much longer. But that's okay. God knows all about it. He knew before we were conceived. He knew when we were conceived. He knew when we were born. He knows his plan for our lives. And we know that when we trust in Jesus, God gives us a wonderful promise, a promise that our sins are forgiven. And we can truly sing from the heart, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." And so we know that he helps us throughout this life. One of the recent helps that God did for us was an accident that my wife June had last Thursday. She was coming back from an annual medical blood test, and she was walking back toward our house, And where she was going, there was a motorcycle that was covered over with something on the sidewalk, and she got distracted with that, and she ended up falling down. And so she has a little bit of a problem with, you can see it on her left, her right eye, but she hit her knees and shook herself and shoulder, and was bleeding. And a nice lady came along and insisted on walking her the rest of the way on the trail, and on up the road to our house, which is very nice and she insisted on holding June's arm and you know, some people are willing to help other people. They saw her fall, a man saw that too and he yelled out if she were okay and another man came over and asked about it and the lady that helped her said she ought to get an ambulance but she didn't want an ambulance and didn't need one but the lady walked her up to the house and then uh, our granddaughter, Kayleen, that's come to visit for a few days, she took her back to where she was. Where she was, she was with another lady, and they had horses in a trailer. <laughs> so it was nice of her to come and, and help June. And So this was an answer to prayer. God took care of her, and she's doing excellent. She didn't break anything, and she's, so he took care of us, not getting COVID, and he took care of her again with a fall. And I I think all of you know, the older you get, the easier it is to fall. And we both decided, hopefully, we'll not do any more falls. (laughs) Amazing answers to prayer. And she didn't have to go to the doctor, and Kayleen was there and helped her with the bleeding. She's taking some blood thinner, so when you take that, too, it's harder to stop the bleeding, of course. But she's fine. And we thank God for that. So he takes care of us, doesn't he? In spite of ourselves sometimes. <laughs> and we need to pay attention to what we're doing and cooperate as best we can, and as we both are trying to do. So Jeremiah 1.5, it's, it's a great verse to help us know God's overall plan, even from the start. In Philippians, we find how thoroughly Paul was... Into the Mosaic Law. We pointed out that he was persecuting God's people and killing them. Well, in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, he shows how much he was into this and how he changed. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, he said, if any man thinks he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, basically his morality and his religion and that kind of thing. I have more. Here's what he had done. He was circumcised the eighth day from the stock of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. They were very, very strict sect following the Old Testament law. I understand they had over 600 interpretations, like how far you could walk on the Sabbath day and different things. And they tried to follow those to the letter. They had many traditions and ideas. Well, he said, touching the law, that's what he was. He was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. That's how zealous he was, how much he thought he was doing the right thing. You remember how Jesus had told them The time will come when they who persecute you will think they're doing God a favor. (laughs) Jesus knew it would come. Later, Paul said, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So our trust in him causes us to follow him. And those who don't know him are many times persecuting God's people. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning righteousness, which is from the law, blameless. So basically he, according to their interpretations, his idea, he was really following it all the way. But then comes this amazing statement, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. What a change that was. Yes, doubtless, and I consider all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, in whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but refuse that I might win Christ. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but instead that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is from God, by faith it's not his own works it's not his own obedience it's not his own zeal in the Mosaic law instead it's a gift of grace it's a matter of faith in Jesus he gives it so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death so what an enormous change happened to the Apostle Paul An amazing change. All the more reason then they should pay attention to him. Now back to the book of Galatians. We find beginning in verse 16. Some account of various places where he was. As a Christian things he did. And compare that with many parts in the book of Acts that also tell us what Paul did and where he was, particularly beginning with chapter eight of Acts and on through the whole thing. He ends up in Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire. And so we find how he was serving God and where he did this and how God used him. Now, an interesting expression is found in chapter 2, verse 7. The gospel of the uncircumcised. <laughs> That's what Paul was entrusted with. This good news to the, the heathen, to the unbelievers, to the Gentiles. Entrusted to God, they were the uncircumcised. They weren't raised in Judaism where they had to be circumcised when they were eight days old, the men. But then he talks about the gospel of circumcision to Peter. So you see, God had called Peter primarily to reach Jewish people. God had called Paul primarily to reach non-Jewish people, the Gentile people. And the big issue came when Gentiles, non-Jewish people, became Christians, the big issue of circumcision. There were those who <clears throat> were very strict in the circumcision of the Jewish party, and they were saying, Gentiles must be circumcised. They can't be saved if they aren't. Paul says, no. <clears throat> the gospel that was given to me by God Doesn't say that. They do not have to be circumcised. It's interesting in chapter 2, verse 3, it talks about a Gentile named Titus. And the interesting thing is that when Titus was with him in Jerusalem, and they were in fellowship with some of the leaders of the church. Titus, a Gentile, uncircumcised, says in 2 3, he was not compelled to be circumcised. So there they realized that, yes, he's a Gentile, he doesn't have to be circumcised. The Old Testament punishment for not being circumcised among the Jews was death. So this was very significant that they allowed this believing Gentile Christian not to be circumcised. That was a foreshadow of what was going to happen. And so the book of Galatians primarily was written to help the Gentiles know they do not need to be circumcised, even though there are a lot of people who seem important that are saying they need to be. Paul had received the message straight from God, and no, they did not need to be. I mentioned before the council at Jerusalem, you can read about it in Acts chapter 15, which happened, we believe, in the year 50 AD. They had that council, no doubt written or happened after the book of Galatians was written, or the book of Galatians would no doubt have referred to the council. Well, at the Council of Jerusalem, they decided Gentiles did not need to be circumcised. There were certain things they felt they ought to be doing, but their salvation did not depend on circumcision and the works of the law. And so that's what the book of Galatians, before the conference of Jerusalem, is telling the people. It's a matter of grace. It's a matter of faith. You can't earn it. You can't be that good. We've all sinned except the gift of God. Trust in Jesus. So wonderful to be able to trust in him, and not only for eternity, but to trust in him day by day to guide us in our lives. Paul encountered compos- opposition, chapter 2, verses six, 4 through 6. In that passage, it speaks of the truth of the gospel in verse 5. You know, I think of the scripture that's found in 2 Timothy 3, 7. It speaks of those who are ever learning, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's something to think about. And that's true, there are folks like that today, aren't there? They're constantly seeking an education, constantly trying to learn new things, but somehow they miss coming to the real truth of God, the real religion of Jesus, the resurrection from the dead that confirms it all. They miss that all. There is a truth, that truth is from God. Paul revealed the truth of the gospel. It is true and correct. Now in chapter 2, verse 9, it talks about certain ones being like pillars in a church. They were leaders, people like Peter and James and, and John. Leaders. And also the church is pictured as a temple. Here were leaders, but notice something here. Peter was not exalted above the other two. And it says they seem to be pillars, leaders of the church, important part of the church. There's nothing in the Bible about one having supremacy of all the others. There are those who claim that Peter was the great important one to begin with. And they go quoting from Matthew chapter 16. But here we see it's not quite that way, like they make it. In fact, what happened in the passage here? Peter was rebuked by Paul, wasn't he? Beginning in about verse 11, 11 through 14. What had happened? Peter had been eating with Gentiles, Gentile converts to Jesus, fellowshipping as equals with them. But then some of the strict Jewish believers showed up and then he left the Gentiles and he started fellowshipping and eating with them. He didn't want to be seen to be eating with the others. And this was a hypocritical thing for him to be doing. (laughs) They were as much Christian as as the others were. And so he needed to be rebuked. But here we find the Apostle Paul (laughs) rebuking this one who was a leader a pillar of the church i took some courage for paul to do that some people think of paul as a very se- severe kind of person i don't in the book of acts for one thing it says when they said goodbye to paul in a certain case when they'd known through prophecy he was going to end up taken prisoner and go to Rome and so forth, he's going to have to die for the faith. They fell on his neck and they kissed him. They, they, they kissed one another in greeting and farewell and different things. That doesn't sound like a severe, separate kind of person. It sounds like a person that they really loved and cared for. And I believe Paul was a very loving, kind person, even though he upheld the truths of the Lord. Also they would that he would remember the poor, uh, chapter 2 verse 10. Later in Galatians chapter 6, we find in verse 10 about doing good for all people and especially those who are of the household of faith. Now having said that, let's come to the last, section here that ends with verse 16 Galatians 2:16 this is one of the passages that very clearly lays out what Galatians is all about how that we're not saved by the works of the law not saved by our own morality doesn't mean it's not important but salvation forgiveness of sins is a matter of God's grace unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. So, in a sense, chapter 2, verse 16 summarizes it, as is found in other places in the book of Galatians as well. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, meaning the Old Testament Mosaic law. Not justified by that, by doing every jot and tittle as Paul did. Later he said, I consider it all refuse. can't be justified in that way. Not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Instead of works, it's faith, trusting Jesus, who died for our sins, who rose from the dead. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by by the works of the law. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And yet that's how many people think today, that the way that they gain acceptance with God is by being a good person. The Bible doesn't teach us not to try to be a good person, but it explains that we're sinners too and we need the gift of God's forgiveness, which Jesus died for us. So it's not by the works of the law, but by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So we find very clearly, do we not, that salvation, justification, righteousness before God is a gift of God, the gospel of the grace of God, the good news that as we turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus, God wipes away all our sin. God gives us forgiveness and everlasting life. God helps us in this world as long as we're in this world. And ultimately, he promises we'll be with Jesus in the afterlife. Book of Galatians, grace of God. Accept that, believe that, obey that, live that. Be a light for the Lord. He told his people he would be with them there to preach the good news, there to baptize in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there to teach everything that Jesus taught. And so we try to do these things, do we not, as God gives us strength and help day by day. And as each day we hopefully commit that day to the Lord to receive his help, to let his bright light shine through us, undiminished, to be Christians in word and in deed, to give God all the credit. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful passage you've been studying today. We thank you for the book of Galatians. It makes it very clear that we're saved by the grace of God the unmerited, undeserved favor, God's gift. It's by faith, by trusting him, not by works of the law or our morality or our goodness. Thank you, Lord, that he made a way. Thank you that we may truly trust him. He forgives us. He helps us. He stands behind his promises. We thank you so much, Lord, that this is so. May we fully enter into the reality of these truths. In Jesus' name, we pray and give him all the glory and honor. Help us now as we continue our fellowship with the picnic. In Jesus' name, amen.